You're listening to the Every Student, Every Day podcast with me, Jim Franchini, Superintendent of the Averill Park Central School District. Welcome to this episode of the Every Student, Every Day podcast. Uh, we have a guest with us today who I think is going to uh, be able to provide some information to our listeners about a lot of stuff that kind of goes on behind, behind the scenes. Uh, we have Kate Dorgan joining us and Kate's current role, she's the Director of Teacher and Student Supports. Uh, throughout her time here, more than 20 years, she's been a teacher, she's been an assistant principal, she's been involved on the CSE side, she's done the Assistant Director of Special Ed, the Director of Special Ed, and it really uh, provides a great deal of expertise in terms of width and in terms of depth here in the district, as well as a great amount of institutional knowledge. So Kate is someone we've come to rely on for a variety of uh, topics, and I guess probably best described as uh, some of the things or all the things that don't fit neatly into the jobs that you might uh, kind of think are a little more self-explanatory, a building principal or the director of athletics or those type of positions. Kate does a little bit of everything else and uh, is a constant thread for us. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk to Kate a little bit today and have her kind of talk through some of the things she does in her role and the district, which is wearing many hats. So Kate, probably my longest introduction, but uh, you probably have the, the longest job description. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So I kind of set it up a little bit, but can you tell us in your own words a bit about the different roles that you have here in the district? Like, I know your day is never really the same, but what are some of the things that you do on a routine or a regular basis here? Sure. You know, I, you, certainly, again, I've been in the district for quite a while, and all those jobs you just kind of referenced, I think, all had skills that led me kind of to where I am today. Um, you know, sometimes I, I've heard you refer to me as, you know, the utility player, because I've been involved in so many different aspects. I know how to, you know, pull things together. So the current job, the Director of Teacher and Student Supports, is really just that. You know, it's a support role to the buildings. We have a lot of things that are compliance-based that we need to make sure we're on top of that are outside of buildings. It's departments that um, cross over our buildings, for example, school nurses. You know, we want consistency across those departments, and so it makes sense to have a, a district-level um, connection. So right now, I always um, I have eight hats, maybe nine if you want to count it with my summer school, but I oversee elementary AIS remedial services, actually K-8 for that. Um, I oversee uh, with Matt Haladin, your professional development opportunities in the district. Um, I do many teacher observations every year. So while building principals do observations, I support them as well with that. School safety, testing coordinator, not pretty, but a very important critical job for our 3-8 testing, uh, school nurses, um, McKinney-Vento co-liaison, that's our students who um, meet the th federal regulations of homelessness and support so we need in place for them. Um, more recently, I added on the school backpack program because we needed some district oversight because we got it at all three levels. And in the summertime, I oversee the elementary summer school program. So <laughs> it's a definitely a wide mix of things, but everything is really supporting the students and the teachers um, in our buildings and um, kind of gluing things together that are across many buildings. Yeah, that's a lot. There's a lot of things and a lot of, uh, I think as you said, the common thread is, as the title suggests, it's supporting our teachers and our students so they can do their best work in the classroom, uh, either as professionals or as students. So a lot Absolutely. of things, a lot of different roles. Um, I'm probably one of the few people in the district who can 
who's been in every teacher's classroom, you know, through observations. Um, you know, I know who they all are. I can recognize them. <laughs> um, you know, not principals know the staff in their building. They don't necessarily know everybody outside of it. Working with teacher aides, um, working with bus drivers on training. So I really kind of know staff in all the departments, which is unique. And, and you're right. We, we do, or I do refer to you as a utility player. You're also the person who, if uh, a principal's out, especially at the elementary level where we don't have assistance, if a principal has to be out for a conference or a sickness, mm -hmm. You're the person that we deploy to that building, so we have an administrator on site. So the exactly. your your role is also very uh, remote and moves around quite a bit, uh, not just doing observations and visiting buildings, but actually in an administrative capacity. Yep, have the grab laptop, grab it. I can sit in any any space, but would much rather have um, somebody on site. You know, just in case any kind of situations occur. So elementary families may recognize me as that you know the tall lady at bus dismissal or <laughs> your parent pickup, and they're like, that's not you know Mr. Geller, or Mr. Simpson, or Mrs. Rocher. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so a, a big thing, you know, here in April Park as well as everywhere else is safety, and. We have spent a, a great deal of uh, time and resources on safety over the last uh, few years, definitely since I've been back here in the district. So I'm in year seven. We've had projects on our capital project that we've done. We've had a ton of things that we've done through our general fund. We've had trainings. We've done all sorts of things on the safety side. It's something that we obviously are paying uh, close attention to. What are some of the notable projects in your mind that you've been working on that help to make the district safe uh, and safer? for our, our employees and for our students. Yeah, I definitely think this is one side of my job that I'm doing regularly. It's not a you know, a cyclical thing, but it's a constant throughout. There's really kind of like three levels we look at with school safety. We wanna think about our physical plant, hardening our spaces, which we have done. We wanna look about our processes and procedures, which we work on with our plans. And then we also wanna look at our school culture and um, our promoting safety for everybody. We've done as a district, again, through these building plans, really done a nice job with the hardening of our buildings. We're talking about our vestibules. If you have students um, who are in the, or children in the middle school and the high school, you may notice that we've had different entries that we did over the summer um, that instead of parents getting into the building and then going into the office, they you know are in the vestibule area, but as they enter the front door, they go over to a transaction window. So they don't actually need to enter our building it makes it a little safer for everybody. We can control who actually comes in our building. Elementary will be having that work done this coming summer. Um, so it's gonna make some difference in their entry appearance for sure, but it's gonna be much safer, which is a great thing for everybody. We kind of had two things that kind of came up because again, I think we're looking at further levels. You know, Again, our buildings are in good shape. We, have, we went through a camera project that's been very helpful. But we also then started thinking about it. What does law enforcement need for our buildings? What can we do to help them um, if they needed to approach, you know, our buildings? So, you know, working with the SRO quite a bit, he's like, you know, we have so many keys for our doors. You know, we'll add a, add a wing, we add new key sets. And it was just very random. You needed so many keys if you were to unlock a building. So this past summer, we really worked to rekey all of our classrooms and our building doors to reduce the number of keys we have. Um, reducing the outside door keys so that people don't have exterior keys because if you lose one, you suddenly made your building vulnerable. So we have, you know, collected back all those keys, um, record things, and it's much easier now. You know, like during a lockdown drill when we're going around and opening all these doors, that we have one set of keys. We don't have to have twenty keys with us to do so. Um, so that's been helpful. And at the same time, with that, we realized 
law enforcement wouldn't necessarily have enough outside keys to get in doors that they want. They might want to come on a side door and not come through our front doors. We have more card readers that we just added on to um, three of our buildings so that we can swipe in without using a key. And that law enforcement has a connection with that as well so that they can access where they need to access our buildings should a situation ever occur for that. So again, it's kind of a next layer, um, which is nice that we're kind of able to think like that. We've been doing work and planning on reunification. Um, should a major event occur? Should we need to reconnect parents with their child at an alternate site if an incident happens at the middle school? We need to move the children off site and then have parents meet on a different location, um, unidentified you know, location now, but certainly in the moment through communications, we would alert families where that would be. We're doing a lot of work on that reunification planning because it's quite detailed. All these things involve transportation. So you know, working with our transportation staff, talking about our planning, what their responses would be in kind of different situations. Um, especially connected with that, you know, kind of goes to the school swatting situations that have happened locally in the last year. Avril Park has not been affected by them at this time, but we're learning a lot of things from those other schools and the responses they had, um, particularly with like East Greenbush had a situation that uh, messages came in right during a morning arrival. And what did they do with transportation? Where did they have students go? while they were then um, clearing buildings. So that's allowed us to go back and have many conversations um, here in Avril Park to say, what would we do in those situations? So, you know, safety is, we're really learning from others. We have regional meetings, there's state meetings, there's, you know, a lot of federal information. Um, safety is definitely a large topic on a federal level. And there's a lot of resources out there that we can help take advantage of, which has been good. So. A lot of different things, you know, upcoming, you know, we might look at labeling some parking lots and it might seem like, well, that seems silly, but, you know, come law enforcement, when we know high school lots as the district office parking, the main off, you know, the main parking lot, the junior lot, the tennis court lot, you say that to a law, your law enforcement who has to come to your building, they have no idea where they need to go. So, you know, looking at perhaps labeling our parking lots in a way that makes sense for someone who's unfamiliar, um, here with our, our team. And again, that's such a different level. It's, you know, not critical, but it's good for us to be thinking at that level at this time to um, make our responses as easy as they can be as well. So to keep everybody safe and have strong, quick response. So those are, um, that's a lot of really good information and a lot of detail. And I think really important point to make too about the keys is we realized that there was just over time a lot of keys out there right so as you mentioned securing the perimeter of the building was a big deal which is why we decided to rekey all those and limit the number of keys that go out they're very very limited now so that we don't have an issue with that and the internal rekeying was really important not just for ease and inconvenience and things being quicker in lockdowns but that was a direct lesson that we gained uh, from a very unfortunate situation uh, in, in a previous event, not in our district, of law enforcement's ability to respond quicker if there's ever something unfortunate that happens. Their ability to get in rooms and clear rooms uh, as something is ongoing is hugely important. And uh, this makes us uh, exponentially quicker and better because they now have less uh, keys to worry about. They have one key that they can get in, do what they need to do, that type of thing. So. 
there was a, a convenience part, but certainly I think the emphasis for us was on the safety part uh, as well, as we try and do as many things as we can proactively uh, so that uh, we keep things from happening and uh, can respond to them even better than we have in the mm-hmm. past. So, And I think, you know, that's the, the benefit of having an SRO here in the district. He's critical in all these conversations and bringing in his, his viewpoint um, which is different than how we sometimes view things in a school. You know, we, we think about, you know, school and school life. And he's like, it's very different as a law enforcement. This is what we need. And um, it's been very um, helpful to have him and his resources. That's a great point. That's a great point. We, everyone sees things, these things through their own lens. We always mm-hmm. see it in the classroom or safety or school point of view. Whereas, you know, Deputy Nichols really comes in with a completely different perspective on things and looks at it from a law enforcement side. And him and I have talked, we started the same year. So we're in our seventh year together and having that consistency, which you really appreciate both by right. the Deputy Nichols himself, but also by the Rensselaer County Sheriff's Office. He has said he now understands and sees things from the school side more than mm-hmm. he ever did. So he's able to anticipate and kind of proactively say, well, here's what I think, but here's what I think they're gonna think. And and there's been many situations where we've been able to address them, again, both proactively and in the moment where that combination is really, uh, really important and that experience matters. So Yeah, some of the, you know, the behind the scenes things that happened again, this job, we have safety plans in place and he's a big part of, you know, going through and when he got here and I was in this position, we really read through them in a, you know, very deeply um, and wanted to make sure they're as strong as we can be in our planning side. Um, but we do have, you know, confidential building plans and they've been getting improved every year. As we learn more things, we make sure our plans are even better. Um, so we do spend quite a bit of time working on the building plans. Switching gears a little bit, as we said, you have a, a few different roles. Yep, putting on the other hat. <laughs> <laughs> we, we recently had a conference day and we have them every year. And We've talked about it on the podcast before about as a district understanding that those conference days, uh, that there's a the, they have an implication to our parents, right? Because students are off or it's a half day and mm-hmm. we try to use them very wisely. We try to minimize them uh, as much as possible. And we do have them. We try to use them uh, as best as we can. And they really do serve a purpose. So as that as my lead in, can you talk to us a little about what teachers and staff we're doing in engaging in in the professional development sessions that we've had, either the last one or the ones that we've had, mm-hmm. uh, half day, the full day. Like, what's kind of going on during that time? And again, be as specific with what's most recently happened, or just in general, um, in theory. Yeah, I view all of these days as opportunities. You know, who's available? Who can we do training with? Who can we help further support? Um, and again, that comes from a whole team. It's not just, you know, me making a plan, but it's really the principals and, and you know, the assistant superintendent, Matt Layden, working with the professional development committee that we work with and building plans for all, all levels of people. So we had a teacher conference day here on November 1st. And um, this year, really, each building was kind of in a different place with some curriculum we were working at. So everyone had about a half a day to work with their grade level team, their subject specific team to work on assessments, to work on curriculum alignment. Um, And everybody was able to have long sustained time. You don't otherwise, you know, outside of these days, they get about an hour a month that they work with their team. Now, you know, in a middle school teacher, you see your partner teacher all the time because you work across the hall. There's only two seventh grade math teachers. There's two eighth grade English teachers. But when you're in elementary, there's nine of you across three buildings. It's harder for them to get together as a group to make decisions and um, 
stays you know consistent in their practice. So it's really helpful to have chunks of, of time on these days. But in addition to that, elementary put a had a focus on math, particularly in number sense that day. It's been an area we've been wanting to spend some time on. We've been using these days for reading instruction in the past few years. So was, we were very excited to switch it over to math. We had a presenter come in. We had our elementary teachers who've been on a math renewal team. They presented to their colleagues about some ideas and resources, practices they'd like them to work on. So um, elementary really focused on math. Middle school, they've had a dynamic mindfulness um, grant through the Office of Mental Health this school year. So they spent time with a trainer about mindfulness practices. The high school, they had in their afternoon full building discussions um, on different topics. They uh, One of the topics they know they needed to work uh, to discuss was cell phone use in the classrooms and where do teachers feel they are with that and um, how do they want to move forward. So that was you know some good time and great discussions they were having at their meetings. On the other hand, we've had half-day conference days where our non-instructional, our teacher aides are available. Um, we have about 25 new aides this school year. So we're kind of taking some back to basics approach on some of our information we want to make sure they're aware of and let them support them as being good employees in our district. So we've had some sessions on behavior, building safety, playground safety, um, first aid, and some sessions on really knowing yourself so they can know how they you know, are going to respond to students and, and taking care of the students. So these half days, even for teacher aides, are really, um, really powerful because they don't have as much time, you know, after school to be working together. So everything I view any day off, what it may appear to be a day off for students is a, is a busy day around the district and it's an opportunity for learning for our adults. Yeah, and those days are actually, uh, they're pretty uh, invigorating and inspiring. I know I got to see part of the elementary professional development you just referred to, and then got to sit in on the high school discussion. And it's hard to actually see it, the, the wide range, right, of issues that are being discussed mm -hmm. and how different the levels really are and how different the needs are, how different the yeah. students are, obviously. And to see that going on, uh, I got to see them almost kind of back to back. Because uh, so I was at one in the morning and one in the afternoon, and it's 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 interesting. It's, it's actually very impressive to see our folks really hopping in and, and dedicating the time on these topics in the name of continuous improvement, and, and really trying to have uh, professional development opportunities and discuss these things and and learn and get better. So they want to learn from each other. That's the best thing. Is that's what they want. They want to share information. Um, we had a great day, the opening day of school, We before our you know, large district opening. We had a, over 20 different sessions that, you know, we didn't have anyone sign up. They just, okay, we're like, here are the offerings. And it was a lot of staff offering information. Um, it could have been on wellness. It could have been on technology strategies. It could have been on, you know, instructional strategies. So if the staff doesn't want to share that, we, we struggle, you know, with trying to support right. something. So I really, again, I think it goes back to me kind of knowing the staff at times knowing who's got a strength and interest area and going and you know tapping people sometimes saying like look at you know can you uh, help present on this topic um and they're usually excited when they're you know invited to do so um but it really without the staff and and knowing who they are and who who wants to do that you know we it just makes these days easier mm -hmm. absolutely so you um in the beginning referred to the backpack program so it's something we've had here for a long time it's actually expanded 
Uh, I believe if you go way back, it was one elementary, then it became all three, and then we moved it up to the secondary level, the middle school and the high school. We had the backpack, we've had the food pantry, different programs, different levels. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that program, what it is, mm-hmm. how we actually pull it off? Because there's a lot of behind the scenes work that gets done uh, from transportation to our, our students here and packing bags. And then, you know, what you're kind of doing now and kind of overseeing that as that program has changed and evolved over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something we realized recently, like it's been fantastically run by our staff in the buildings. And we're like, oh, you know what, we need a little district connection on it. And that's when I kind of came up to just kind of check over it, make sure everybody's, if they got questions, they have a you know a go-to person. We support about 60 students currently um, in the backpack or the regional food bank pantry program. So backpack is an elementary-based program. Every week we send home um, a bag of food for the weekend for certain students. There's about 12 to 15 in each of our elementary buildings. And then at the middle school and high school, it's more of a pantry program. You know, Ideally, students would come in and pick the food that they would like to take with them. It's food provided from the regional food bank. We use um, some of our students in, I'll say Mrs. Ferlito's class, one of our um, the students who do a lot of school jobs, who we're getting out into the community to want to work on it, early employment skills with, they are really huge the workforce really behind the scenes for the backpack program. They go on Wednesdays, uh, they hop on one of our school buses and they drive over to the regional food bank where they pick up the food. They bring it back, they sort the food, they put it in the bags, they deliver them all to the elementary buildings on Fridays. Um, and so without them doing the work, you know, I'm not really sure how we would pull this off every week. So they're really a critical function of it and they're really proud of the work they do with it. Um, it's important, you know, we, we do have students and family with needs, uh, with food insecurities, and, you know, they can't necessarily, maybe they're using some other uh, food banks during the, the week to help supplement some other pantries in the community, but, you know, for the students, they can rely on this. There are some needs for it. Um, families can donate through the regionalfoodbank.net is the, uh, the actual website, regionalfoodbank.net. There's a donate now button um, where you could give financially. You may, if you watch channel six, I know they were doing multiple, you know, call-ins during, you know, the fall with the food bank. And that's the program we're referring to. But we also have some supplemental needs. We're finding the food bank doesn't have as much as they used to have. Um, in the wintertime, they don't have fresh fruit fruits that kids should be having. We have a couple of students who are gluten-free. We don't really have any gluten-free options from the food bank. So we've been trying to supplement for that, um, but we need a little help, you know, from our community for that. We're certainly, there's staff who contribute through payroll um, and do make some donations. We've had uh, community members over the years make donations. And I think we're, you know, you'll probably be hearing a little bit more about that as we're going to put out some calls for help probably in the new year for there. But, you know, we could always use... um, a gift card so we can go to a Walmart, Aldi, Hannaford um, to buy some of our supplemental foods for what we really want to fill out those bags again with the fresh fruits and, and the gluten-free items for students. You know, if you wanted to donate a gift card, you certainly can do so. You can bring it to the school office, right food bank on there. Um, we'll make sure that gets to the right location. Um, but it's a wonderful thing we can do for our students who need this. Um, Glad we can do it. Glad for all this, the building supports who help it, the bus drivers who 
pick it up, who make sure the kids have it taken off the bus, you know, on, on Fridays when it goes home. So this is definitely, you know, everybody kind of helping and participating, but we are going to need some help, I think, from our community to sustain it moving forward. Yeah, so agreed. And, and thank you for recording that. And thank you to our our staff as well as our community who has donated so much and keeps that program up and running and viable. Um, certainly seems like needed now as much or more than ever. Uh, you know, speaking of some of our students who are uh, a little bit disenfranchised uh, and are struggling with some things, we have a good number of students who are homeless by the federal regulations. Can you talk a little bit about that? That's also another part of your role here. Mm -hmm. is mandates to follow. We also really do try to be as kid-centered and kid-focused as we can be. So how do you kind of manage or oversee or what goes what goes into that and making sure our homeless students are taken care of as well? Yeah, we. I'm a co-liaison with Julie Ernst, who's our school registrar as well. And really when students come into the district and she's enrolling them, she might ask some questions about, you know, why are they a new student here? Oh, you lost your home. You were kicked out of your apartment. You had a house fire. Um, something has led them that they needed to move. And she can realize that, you know, again, they might meet this federal regulation. And they're saying, do you have a fixed, adequate, and regular living situation? Those are our three um, criteria. It could be, we don't have it as much here, but it could be a student, um, high school student had to leave their home for safety reasons and they're living in a shelter in Albany. Um, we've had had that situations. Not as often, like within our Avril Park zone, we don't have um, hotels, motels where people may come for short-term uh, living. We don't have shelters within our school zone. So we do have fewer number than a lot of the schools deal with. But if they're a student who is identified as homeless by this federal McKinney-Vento regulation, schools are required to um, help make sure that they have free lunch. Um, we need to make sure we transport them. So if a student has to live in a shelter in Albany, we are going to make sure we transport them back to school here in Avril Park because we're that safe, consistent place they knew about. Um, we actually have to transport up within 50 miles. So we had a student who moved down to Schoharie when she had to lose her housing. And we were like, oh, we have to, she had a choice. She could go to school in Schoharie or come back to Avril Park. But that was within the 50 mile zone that we would necessarily um, be required to transport. Um, we look at other school needs. We want to really we need to remove any barriers for them to be able to participate just like their peers. Do they need equipment to be on a sports team? Um, do they need school supplies? Do they need some clothing and toiletries if they're living in a shelter and, you know, for emergency housing? Um, so there are some federal funds associated with it, and we can use those funds to help support those needs. And it's small number of students in Aero Park, but again, we don't want our students to be suffering in, in a way that we didn't know. And so, you know, we're certainly, you know, trying to work and support um, and support everybody. And there's usually a few every year and their cases are sometimes complex. So it's nice to have a partner who works with me and in, in trying to figure out the situations and, and doing, and their housing is not always consistent. It might be this week we're at this hotel, next week we're at another hotel, the week after at another. So, you know, transportation keeps moving around. So we have to, you know, stay on top of that and stay in good communication with those families um, to see what their needs are and how we can help assist them. Yeah, certainly uh, a segment of our population that we are, are sensitive to and want to uh, do whatever we can to help. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a lot of stuff, Kate, and uh, we're just kind of getting to some of them. There's a lot more that comes across from the observations, which I know we do well over 500 observations a year, yep. a year that are coordinated uh, for all of our teachers and all mm-hmm. of them, really, uh, and a whole variety of things that you're doing, and we appreciate that. And I think it kind of gives folks a, a little bit of a glimpse into some of the things that you might not know or fully understand, or maybe you knew, but uh, it's just kind of good to hear about uh, some of the things that we do from overseeing the academic intervention services all the way through the backpack program and everything in between. So thank you for spending some time with us here today, talking to our folks in the community about uh, some of the roles and some of the things that we offer and do. And again, certainly encourage those who can and we're interested to uh, look into contributing to our backpack and food pantry programs. They're certainly very valuable. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. See you next time on Every Student, Every Day. Thank you.